Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Worship you, Jesus. I magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. Kids, you can be dismissed to Sunday school. You're going to have a good day in fun day school. I can't wait till they don't have to crowd up in that room anymore. (laughs) Soon and very soon, if you haven't, if you haven't had the opportunity to look at the other side today, you'll get it because we have ice cream Sundays after church today. So it's going to be a good time. Hang out, eat one. And uh, I think you'll enjoy today. Get to hang out, meet Christian. I'm going to introduce him in just a minute, but you all know that we've been going through the series, What is Love? And uh, baby, don't hurt. And today was supposed to be me, but I want a Christian to come. And so there was one thing that I just wanted to say, and it hit me last week before, um, last week before church. And uh, it was another message that I was watching, and it was this little portion. And so I'm going to read you three sets of scriptures, and they're in the handout But um, Hebrews 9.27, it says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that face uh, face judgment. How many times do we die? One time. You get one chance. And the judgment's for who? It's for me. So when I die, I'm going to face judgment. One day, every one of us are going to face judgment. Hebrews 12.1-2, it says, Therefore, since we have also such a loud, uh, a large cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily uh, ensnares us. Let us run with endurance. I like that. Let us run with endurance. And another version says, let us run with patience. And I believe that we have got to patiently endure to the end. And so the race that lies before us, where is the race lie? Before us. Whose race is it? It's, yeah, it's my race. It's my race. No one else can run my race. So keeping your eyes on Jesus, the the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So whose race am I running? My race. I can't run your race. As much as I may want to run your race, God wants me to run my race. God's called me to be me, and he's called you to be you, and you have to be willing to be who God has called you to be. You know, talking with Christian, he's like, oh, I get nervous. It's okay, man. You are going to, it's going to be awesome. God's going to move. God's going to touch you. This this guy, he's preached um, at youth youth camp, um, and I'll tell you, he is, he's awesome. He has an amazing testimony, and all of these things I wanted to put out there before because you can't run each other's race. We can only run our race. There's enough grace for your race. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There is enough grace for me. There's enough grace for you. There's enough grace to run my race, but there's not enough grace to run your race. I can't run your race, Tammy. Your race is your race, but I can be an assistant. I can help. I can do it. And when I look at this, I look, there's a whole lot of things right here that talk about me and my relationship and what God expects of me. How many know that in every relationship, God has, or people have expectations of what one person will do? That's true. And so is the same with God. He's got expectations that we as Christians will do. Um, This is about your relationship with God. It's about you following him. It's about how he loves you in your mess ups. And so now, Christian, and I loved this. Uh, We were talking last night and um, he was like, he, he was telling me about how nervous he was. Sorry, Christian, if I'm stealing that from you, but he was telling me how nervous he was. And I just told him, I was like, man, don't worry. I was like, you're going to preach the right message. And he, I started telling him some of the stuff we had talked about. And he was like, oh, I was worried that I had the wrong thing. Um, funny, Christian did not know what the song was. When I sent him what we were doing, I was like, hey, the title is What is Love? Baby, don't hurt me. Um, and I said, you're on weak me. And he was like, huh? <laughs> and he was like, okay. So he listened to the song. He's like, well, that's not a Christian song. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Far from it. He's like, well, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> so I am excited to hear what uh, he's got. He's going to share a little bit about his testimony. And so um, Christian, why don't you come up here? I'm going to give you a quick tutorial on what you do when you, uh, when you end. So you can just Well, it's, it's good to be here. Um, I was so excited when he told me that I was going to be able to come to his church. Um, I've known him for a few years, uh, Pastor Pretty and Sister Rochelle. We served on the youth committee together. And he is one of the craziest people that I know. <laughs> um, when I heard he was going to be a pastor, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of crazy folks at his place. Um, so... Yeah, (laughs) I am glad to be able to be here. Um, They're such great people. Why don't we just give it up for them, okay? Show them that you love them. He's no longer on the youth committee, so the youth committee is a lot quieter now without him. Um, And I don't usually read out of any other book, but I thought this was nice. You can can all tell... um, uh, Ashley later. Uh, we actually went to school together. We went to Indiana Bible College. Yeah. Okay. 
we went to Indiana Bible College together for, I think, for two years, maybe just one year. Um, and this is what she wrote in my yearbook. Um, I was looking, you know, paging through it the other day just to kind of just make some memories. It's from 2015, 2016, so it's been a bit. And uh, she says, Christian, exclamation mark. I don't know what I'm going to do without your sassiness running all over the school. And I forgot, I just didn't want to read the rest after that, so. <laughs> but you tell her that. She thinks I'm sassy. But it's not true. <laughs> I am quiet and reserved, and everybody's like, yeah, whatever. All right. Well, today, I just want to be a little bit, uh, I want to talk to you about, about love, right? Um, that was what you guys are talking about. I haven't been here to hear everything that Pastor Pretty has taught um, or preached, but I do want to continue on that word. Um, and we're going to go to 1 John 4 and 7. Does anybody love Jesus here? You guys sound a little quiet. Let's try that again. Does anybody love Jesus in the house? Yeah. Amen. Why don't, without, before we start, without anything, why don't we all stand to our feet and show him how much you love him? Amen. may be seated you don't have you ever heard that song you don't know like i know what god has done for me you don't know where i come from amen and i don't know your story but i didn't always know jesus and since i have known jesus things have changed in my life there's hope in my life there is love in my life God is in my life. Something has changed since I met Jesus. Amen. So I kind of get a little excited when we talk about Jesus. I don't know if you can tell, but Jesus is something I really, really like to talk about. Somebody I like to talk about. And people know that. They're like, oh, great. He's going to start talking about Jesus again. So when I was in school, somebody would say Jesus. And you know, like, have you ever seen those that don't pay attention to anything else but what interests them? So uh, it, that was me in school. Somebody would say Jesus and I would be like, you know, turn slowly and be like, oh, somebody said that word. <laughs> and I was the guy who, who was, we could say a fanatic. I really, really love Jesus. He's changed my life. So we're going to go ahead and read out of 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. And I should probably pull it up myself. So verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Um, just kidding. We're going to go to verse 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Everybody say herein. Herein is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I want to talk to you for a brief moment on this subject. This is love. This is love. Amen. Let's just pray one more time. Father, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be in your house, God. We ask your presence to be here. We ask your word to come forth, God. I ask, Jesus, that you would touch us, that you would change us, God, that you would 
make something different in us today, Lord. We do not want to go back home the same way. We ask you in Jesus' name that you would help us today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Did anybody come expecting something? So at my church, I usually do run the service until pastor gets up and preach. And that's the first thing I ask. So did anybody come expecting God to do something? And if I get a wimpy response, like one or two people that are like, yeah, sure. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll ask the question until I get everybody to answer. So I'm going to ask the question again. Does anybody come expecting? There we go. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to go back to verse 7. Um, this is the Apostle John talking. And he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Amen. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Amen. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That was one of the first verses I ever memorized. My grandma, when I was little, I was probably like five or seven, she said, You have to memorize that verse. And I'm like, It's too long. And grandma's like, It's three words. <laughs> three words. So I memorized that. Um, and now I apologize. I hope my English can hold out. Um, English is not my first language. <laughs> so when I get nervous, English goes away. So, uh, and I'm a nervous wreck right now. So just hang on with me, okay? <laughs> so I want to talk to you on this subject. This is love, a God type of love. Amen. There's many types of love. Any mothers in the house? You love your children. In a special way. You have a tie with your child. That nobody else on this earth has. Mothers would do anything for their children. Even if that meant giving up your life for them. Do we have any fathers in this house? Fathers are likewise. They have a tie with their kids. That don't put themselves in front of their, of their kids. They, they always want the best for their children there's another type of love brotherly love uh you know like they're so annoying but you still love them brother and sister yeah that's the kind of love i have for my brother and my sister you know you can see them on every so often because they you know they're just brother and sister you know and then you have friends the, brother, the Bible says that there's friends that stick closer than a brother. You have friends that you can go to and you know that they care about you, that they love you. That sometimes you cannot go to your own family, but you can go to this friend. Reach out to them and they can help you. So a God type of love is only understood through the Spirit of God. You can only really understand how God loves us through the Holy Ghost. Amen. With you experiencing it. Love is an attribute and a characteristic of Jesus. Amen. Verse 8 says God is love. It doesn't say love is God. It says God is love. And as his children, we also must have the love of our Father. Amen. Your children, the other day I was talking to somebody at work, and we all were talking about things that we used to get in trouble for when we were younger. Uh, mine was not going to sleep on time. Um, and 
there's a whole bunch of stuff I got in trouble for. But they said, back then, you thought it wasn't a big deal, but now you think it's a big deal, right? I don't have kids, but I know that if kids don't go to sleep on time, they're going to be cranky in the morning, and I'm going to be cranky. So we turn into our parents, right? Everybody's like, no, no. As his children, we must also turn into our father. The Bible says that we must be like him. You know what Christian means? Christian means to be like Christ. So if we are not like Jesus, then we've got to go look at our life and match it up with Jesus. Amen? We've got, if Jesus, if we look like Jesus, if we talk like Jesus and and when people are around us, they can know Jesus. Then we're, we're going the right way. Amen. We see the only God people are ever going to see on this earth is you. The only God that people will see is the Jesus that's inside of you. Amen. Jesus is not going to come down from heaven to go to somebody's um, bedside while they're in the hospital to pray for them and to heal them. That's our job, right? The church's job. They're going to see the love and the mercy and the power of God through you. Amen? Not saying that Jesus wouldn't come down in physical form, but I just never heard it, never seen it. I don't think so. Uh, if I'm wrong, he's right. Okay, so you get to correct everything that I've said that I've, you know, if it's wrong, he's right. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. So verse 9 says this, in this was manifested the love of God. I'm going to stop right there. It's as if God says to, to somebody who's questioning, what is love? What? What is love? Jesus says, let me show you. Let me explain to you. Okay? He says, in this was manifested. Manifested means to be made concrete in front of you. Right? He says, let me give you this example. Let me show you what my type of love looks like. He says, the love of God toward um, us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We deserve death, the Bible says, because of our sins. Have you ever read Romans? I'm sure you guys know that, that it says that the wages of sin is death, but it does not leave it there. It says, but there's a gift of God, right? So if you keep reading that, you probably, I mean, all you guys sound like you read your Bible, so that's good. If I was to say that at my church, I'd get blank stares. <laughs> we have some good church people at my place, but we have some. I worry. <laughs> I worry. <laughs> I, I say something like, I was glad when they said it unto me. Yeah, I would have gotten like two that are like, I think it's, let us go into, you know, like pastor and his wife, they know everything. But, but everybody else is looking at me like, for what? I'm like, I'm quoting something. Give it to me. So I'm glad that you guys read. Good, good. Um, so he sends his only begotten son. You guys all know John 3, 16, right? God so loved them. Wow. Brother Pretty, you're doing a great job. <laughs> we had no chance at heaven. But because of Jesus... Now we do. It's as if Jesus said, you probably don't know what love looks like. 
But let me step into your situation and fix that. Let me show you what real love is. Let me show you, not just tell you, but step onto your life to that problem that you're having and fix it and show you what love is. Amen. It doesn't just leave us questioning what is love, but Jesus says, this is love. Let me show you. And verse 10 says, herein is love. Just in case you didn't get it in verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, I mean, the Apostle John says, let me tell you, herein is love. Herein is a word that says, this is it. Hello. I'm going to just give it to you one more time. Amen. Let me give you one more example. And if you haven't gotten it, then there's no hope for you. But, but he makes it plain. Have you guys ever told a pastor pretty, make it plain, preacher? Make it plain. Old time Pentecostals, make it plain. Here in his love. Let me give you one more example. And he put it another way. He said, not that we loved God. Amen. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Have you guys ever heard that song? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And then, because he first loved me. I didn't go looking for Jesus 12 years ago. He came looking for me. Amen. And I was in a world of hurt. But he came. See, he initiated the love relationship that we have here. Just because, uh, it wasn't because of nothing that I loved to talk about Jesus. It wasn't because of nothing that I forsook my plans to follow him. It wasn't because of my plans and because I wanted to do this that, that my family would put me away and didn't want me, but I wanted to follow Jesus. It wasn't because of me, but it was because he came looking for me and he helped me when nobody else cared. Amen. So here in his love, he says, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us. And then he sent his son. See, he starts this relationship with us. He starts, he gives us the example of love. If I was to ask every single person in this place, if you came looking for Jesus, or if he came looking for you, you would tell me, every single one of you, that God came looking for you. Amen. God reached out to you. Love that he gives is undeserved and unconditional. It's kind of like your kids. No matter how bad they mess up, you still love them. You might want to whoop them, but I don't know if you do whooping in this church, but we do back home. So <laughs> uh, where I come from, there isn't any of this timeout trash. We mess them kids up. Tell you what. Turned out pretty good. But do whatever you want to do, okay? We weren't, we, we haven't forced Jesus to love us by our goodness. None of us in this room deserve his love. Amen. None of you could work it up. Make enough good uh, deeds for God to love you. You cannot do that. You cannot go to heaven because of your deeds, because of your actions. You can only go to heaven because of him, because of his goodness, because of his grace. Amen? 
So we didn't deserve this. We had no chance at, at heaven. We had no chance because of our sin. We had no relationship with Jesus. But then Jesus, right? Then Jesus. So verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us. And that word so, okay, I know that word in English, but I still had to look it up just to, just because, you know, the Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. So I looked up that word and it means in this way. So we could say, beloved, if God loved us in this way, this way that we just talked about, an unconditional and um, undeserved and never ending love, then we must love, the Bible says, one another. Amen? It goes back to this. If you're a Christian, you should be like Christ. Amen? We've got to do the same. Now, <clears throat> when I came into church, I said 12 years ago, but it's actually 14. I was in church kind of like, you know, kind of there. Um, when uh, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, and there was two years where I was kind of like going back and forth. But, praise God, I'm here, right? We're going to go to Luke 14. I remember when I first got started, Luke 14 uh, hit me really hard. Um, have you guys ever read the Bible and it just kind of slaps you in the face and you're like, whoa, wasn't ready for that one. That was, that was this this chapter, verse um, 25, says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. It's talking about Jesus. Um, this is a great crowd. This is amazing. So let's put ourselves in this passage. He says, There went a great multitude with him, and he turned and he said unto them, If any man, if any man come to me and hate, everybody say, not his father and mother and wife, children and brethren and sisters. Yea, in his own life also. Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. And as a person who just got in church, I was like, how could he ever say something like that? I immediately like highlighted my Bible. I was like, I got to tell pastor about this. I don't think this is right. But in the meantime, see back in the day, I used to read the Bible quite a bit. I still do. But I'm talking like all of this is new to me. So I'm reading like 10 chapters a day and memorizing everything. And, and I'm just, my mom's like, how do you know all these people's names? And I'm like, mom, this is real. Like this stuff is something. This is like no other book, mom. And uh, so I, I, I read this part and I got stumped because it said that if we don't hate father, mother, and wife, children, brethren, sisters, and my, even my own life, we cannot be his disciples. And then verse 27 says, and, whatsoever doth not, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, let me put it in context. Okay? To you, a cross is like, you know, something smooth, right? That, you know, Jesus died on and whatnot so that's what it is right but back in that time that meant you were you it was treason right you were going to die the worst death by the romans you're hanging on a tree and you basically you suffocate to death okay and they wait until you suffocate to death so am i am i kind of putting it in context are you understanding you don't want to die this way 
And Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, uh, you, you kind of have to do that. You got to take up your cross and follow me. Kind of like saying to you, you know what? If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be lied about. You, you know, people are going to do you wrong, and and all of this bad stuff is going to happen to you, and you're going to suffer, and you're going to be innocent, and you're going to have to suffer through life until you see Jesus. Does that sound like something you want to sign yourself up for? When you're like one, you know, you're barely coming into church. I was like, you know what? I don't know about this, Pastor. <laughs> Uh, this suffering stuff and carrying my cross and people lying and cheating and all this stuff, and I just got to sit there and take it? I just don't know. And uh, see, see, that's what my one-year-old self would say, right, when, when I started coming in church. Now I'm like, bring it on. Come on. You want to laugh at me? Do it. I'm still here. Amen? 14 years later, there's really nothing you can do to turn me around. He has been too good to me. Amen. Has God been good to anybody? So uh, then I keep reading verse 33. It says, so likewise, so like this, um, he be, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So you mean I got to give up my stuff? You mean I got to give up my plans? I wanted to be a geometry teacher. Everybody's like, oh, how dare you? Hate math, right? <laughs> Just get rid of math. That was the only thing I was good at. I mean, I could read. I, I didn't like English very much because I didn't understand half the words they were saying. Um, but I still, I still did good. Uh, science, I only took what I needed to and then said, nope, no more. Uh, but, but I was really good at math. So I wanted to be a math teacher. But here's the deal. When I was getting ready to graduate, God got a hole in my life. And he said, you can be a teacher, but you're not going to be a math teacher. You're going to be a Jesus teacher. And I gave up my dream to be a math teacher, to become what I am right now. Because he had been too good to me. Amen. Because of what he's done for me, I am okay forsaking everything. Anybody okay forsaking everything? Putting aside everything and just saying, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Anybody in this house able to do that right now? Let's just raise up our hands and just tell him how much we love him. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for everything that you've given for us. See, he gave everything for us. And he's just asking us to give up a few things. Amen? He still will feed us. He still will take care of us. He still will take care of our needs and provide it. But there's things in our life that got to go. Amen? It's his will, not yours. Amen? And what I learned is if I do... His way, he'll pay. I do his will, it's his bill. Now, and that worked. That worked for me. Now, if I wanted to go to school, like I, when, my, when, my, when I wanted to go to school to Bible college, I told, my, I told my parents I wanted to go, and my mom said, I cannot help you. Uh, my mom and my dad are not in church to this date. 
Um, and they and she said, I don't have enough money, but I will support you. Uh, just if you want to go, go ahead. And my dad said, pick any other career and I will foot the bill. But if you go to Bible college, you will not get one cent. And I said to him, Dad, I'm going to Bible college. And if you don't give me one cent, it's okay. And I went to Bible college. And before I left on my second year, every single one of those pennies was paid for. Amen. I had $1,200 to my name. Nothing else. Everything packed in my car. And I was coming back to Minnesota because this is where God wanted me to be. And I said to God in prayer, I said, you know what? I got $1,200 in my bank account. I owe more than $1,200. <laughs> and if I give this, Jesus, I'm not going to have enough money to live when I get back to Minnesota. And that night, as I'm standing in my last, my graduation, my last, uh, I didn't even graduate. I went two years, I guess. You got your degree, um, but you didn't get to walk or anything like that. But I was cool. I got, I got, I got a piece of paper that says I can teach. So that's fine. Amen. And I got a great experience out of it. And one of the financial officers, well, her, her name's Sister Gail. She comes up to me and I'm like, great, I know what's going on. So I'm kind of like trying to avoid her. I was like, Jesus, not tonight. We just got done with church, Jesus. Can't you just come tomorrow or something? I got a few days left in Indy. And she comes up to me and she basically like, hey, what? Can I help you, Sister Gail? And she's like, yeah, I just, I've been meaning to talk to you. And I said, what, what did I do wrong? And she said, I just want you to know um, somebody paid your whole bill, the rest of it. I said, all of it. And I stood there and I almost in tears and I said, you cannot mess with that. You cannot say things like that, Sister Gail. You don't understand the pressure. You don't understand how bad I feel. And she said, I'm not kidding. Somebody covered every single dime of your bill. And I stood there just in awe. That God said, if you'll follow me, I will be with you. My parents weren't there with me. None of my family was there with me. But my God was there with me. And that's all I need. So when I read this verse, I was confused and I was troubled because my family meant everything to me. And I think at points, God brings us to a crossroad and says, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than that? And God had brought me to this crossroad on my first and second year of being in church. And he said, do you love me more than your family? My family was so important to me. And as a, as a person of the Hispanic culture, family is very close not saying it's not in America, but I've lived here long enough to know that you guys are okay eating separate hours. Not in my culture. You don't eat until dad sits down and everybody sits down. 
Now in America, that's not something that, that we do anymore, right? But family was important. You wake up in the morning and you drink coffee together. It's time to talk, to share. We don't do that here. Um, so I was confused. I was like, why are you? I talked to pastor and pastor was like, here, let me explain it to you. And he's, he said, God's not asking you to hate. God's just asking you to view it a different way. So I happened to read Matthew 10. We're going to go Matthew 10. 37 says this. Um, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38 says, And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. If you want to follow Jesus, there's going to be sacrifices. He has been our example. He gave everything. He gave his own life for us. What is it for us to give up our stuff for him? Amen. Verse 39 says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. As a person just coming into church, I was like, what? So like up is down and down is up. Like, what is this? You know, <laughs> didn't understand it. But what I did understand is God was speaking to my heart and saying, is your family more important than me? Our love for Jesus must be greater than our love for anyone or anything else in our life. Our life, our family, our being, our every plan, it has to take second place to Jesus. The love that he has shown us is, is unconditional, undeserved. Nothing came before it. Nothing could stop his sacrifice for us. He did it. Because he loved us. It doesn't matter how bad we were. It doesn't matter if we would never turn to him. He still did it. Nothing could change his mind. And because he exhibited and he showed us that love. We must show him that love. Amen. We must have nothing that can stand before him. Everything has to go. Jesus has to be number one in our lives. Our family, yes, it's important. And yes, we love him. And our life and our being and our plans and every all of our stuff, that can be important to us. But it can never take first place in our life. Amen? Was that the more that you love Jesus, the more you learn to love your family. The more that you love Jesus, the more you can love this world. You can see past their mistakes and their flaws like Jesus saw past your mistakes and your flaws. And reach out to this world with a love that they don't know. All this world knows is a love that's messed up. It, all this world knows is a love that is just for one person. It's, it's like a give and take thing. But Jesus has a love that's not like that. It, it's beyond understanding. You can't really just learn it out of a book. You have to experience it. God's got to show you that he cares so much that he can go into your mess and bring you out. And that's exactly what he did to me. See, when I came into church, my family was broken up. Um, what meant everything to me 
was just gone. I was, uh, the way it all happened, um, it was kind of funny. I was on a bus ride home from school. And I, at this point, I was probably like 11, 12. Um, and there's this five-year-old little, year, five-year-old little boy. And uh, I said to him, where are you going? He's like, I'm going home to my dad. And I said, well, <laughs> to mom and dad? And he's like, no, they don't live together. So uh, this week I go to dad's and next week I go to mom. And see, I had never heard of that. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen down south. <clears throat> it does. But I had just not seen it in my family. I was still young. I was sheltered. And my mom didn't allow us to see that. But today it's common. And I remember, <laughs> I remember being so sad that for the little five-year-old boy, I went home almost in tears. And I told my mom, mom, you would never guess what happened today. And she said, what? Um, and I didn't know this at the time, but my parents were going, going to be divorced. They had hidden it from us. And I said to her, Mom, this kid has divorced parents, and uh, he's only five. And he's okay with it. It's sad. And my mom lowered her eyes in almost tears, and she said, it happened. And I looked at her, and I said, Mom, but it can never happen to us. We, our family is tight. A few... Weeks, months later, my parents separated. And then I understood my mom. And I went into a great, a very big depression. There's a lot of problems. I mean, problems 12-year-olds shouldn't have. Um, depression, just hopeless, suicidal thoughts. We live near a corn. I mean, if you live in, in, in Minnesota, down south where I live, there's cornfields everywhere. So... <clears throat> It's not hard to get lost in one of those, and just nobody will know, right, because they're everywhere. So my thought was I didn't want to hurt myself or anything like that. I just wanted to go out, lay down, close my eyes, and never come out. And every night I would go to bed and cry myself to sleep and say, why, God, why is my mom and my dad not together? Why? Do my little brothers have to suffer? Why do I have to come home to no parents at home? Because my mom is working another job to take care of me. Why do I have to do this? Why don't you just let me die? <laughs> Why don't you just let me die? And at this point, I had heard about Jesus, but I didn't know him. I needed help. And my mom tried pills from the doctor. We tried the doctor. We tried a psychologist that said, every time you think of suicidal thought, write it down. I, I did it for one day. I had so many bad thoughts about myself that I said, you know what? I'm going to throw this notebook away. I don't want to write anything. I'm not going to have a notebook by the end of the day. So I stopped doing that, and psychologists could not help. It was such a bad depression and a hopelessness that it was hard for me to breathe. At times, it was I would have to sit down in the couch and just catch my breath because everything hurt. Have you ever been in a place where your heart hurts just to breathe? Have you ever been in a situation where you need help? You need God to reach out to you because you're, you, you're hurting. And that's where I was. And I remember one night that I was just all by myself sitting on my bed. I said, finally, I cannot take this anymore. I was contemplating going and leaving, running away, dying somewhere. 
And I said, Jesus, if you can hear me, and if you do something for me, if you fix my situation, I said, I will serve you for the rest of my life. That was my prayer. I said, if you can do the impossible and what nobody else can do, and if you're real in my life, the rest of my life is yours. And I did not see a light. Jesus didn't step in my room, knock on my door. I heard nothing. But I felt peace. And I went to bed. And two weeks later, I met my pastor. He invited me to a Pentecostal church. And the rest is history. <laughs> but I wish I could tell you that it was that easy. Um, on my way there, um, getting here, right, basically, all of these years, um, my parents have never been in church, right? They, they don't want anything to do with my church. Uh, in order to be baptized, I had to wait two years because my parents said, you're not old enough. My mom said, nope, you're not old enough. You're not doing it. I don't think you're ready. And I was like, Mom, you don't understand. I can quote you scripture. I know I'm ready. And she was like, no, you're not. And I said, okay. And my pastor said, well, we have to get her consent to be baptized. If your kid wants to be baptized and understands it, please, I beg you, do not stand in their way. My mom stood in my way for two years. And she said, no, you will not be baptized. Finally, she agreed in a slip up. She said, yeah, sure, whatever, do it. And as I was leaving, she said, no, 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 wait, hold up. I changed my mind. I said, well, it's too late. You already said yes. So I <laughs> went to the church. And my mom was like, oh, why did I open my mouth? And my mom said, if I turned around and my mom said, if you get baptized today, I will not be there. And I turned to her and I said, I'm okay still am okay. And at that time, my parents did not bring me to church. Somebody from the church had to bring me because obviously I couldn't drive. And uh, my mom wasn't about to take me. And uh, my dad wasn't even in the picture, so I couldn't ask him for a ride. So it was either walk all across town or have this guy called Burl, the young guy in the church, would bring me to church every man now i'm the assistant pastor of my church and he's still there and i said burl if it wasn't for you i would not be here this guy's not a preacher he's a tech dude for crying out loud you asked him to just testify he'd look at you and be like ah uh, no but he brought me to church every day every week so i got baptized and on my uh by the way, does there, do you guys have warm water here? Okay. I didn't have time for that. I was baptized in cold water. As my pastor was talking, you know, because pastors talk a lot, right? Um, pastor's talking, and I'm like sitting there like, would you just dunk me? I'm cold. And his wife was like boiling water and throwing it in there. And this, we got baptized. It was still freezing. And my mom showed up last minute with tears in her eyes as I went under the water and was baptized in the name of Jesus. 
And I changed. Now, to get the Holy Ghost, see, that was another thing. I couldn't go to, you know, I couldn't just go to whatever event. It had to be approved by my mom. So, but I said, Mom, I really want to go to this youth service in Rochester. And I remember I had made up my mind that I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, nobody's going to stand in my way. And I'm like this 12 little, 14, 12 little, uh, was 14 years old, super small. By the way, I know I don't look like it right now, but I was a lot smaller back then, okay? And I was, I had made up my mind. I said, then people best get out of my way. Because I'm going to get up to that altar, and I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, you best be ready by the time I get up there. Because I sure am. And I didn't repent when I got up to the front. I, every step, I said, God, forgive me. I need your help. I need you to forgive me. And as I was making my way, got up to the front, raised up my hands, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. For a whole hour, I cried and I cried. And for the first time in years, I cried of joy instead of pain. I cried because I had hope now instead of hopelessness. God had come into my life. And touched my life in a mighty way. My sister told me, you are not my brother anymore. You have changed too much. She looked at me and said, you're dead to me. My brother said to me, looked at me and said, you're not my brother anymore. Changed too much. My mom looked me straight in the, in the eyes and said, get out of my face. I do not want to see you. My dad kicked me out of my house. My mom kicked me out of my house. <laughs> All I had was a backpack of clothes on the street. Walking over to McDonald's because that was the only place I could go that was warm. And I called my pastor and said, I don't have a home. But I kept going. That I will not leave my Jesus. My mom's second husband said to me, if you want me to go to church with you, if you want me to believe like you do, why don't you leave your God? Why don't you do this? If you want to like have a good relationship with me, why don't you just leave your God? He's no good to you anyhow. He, was, see, he did witchcraft. I had to live in a house of witchcraft. <laughs> I had to live in a house where there was drinking there was all this bad stuff. I was the only person in that, in that house, in that little trailer that believed in Jesus. I was the only one who had the Holy Ghost to pray. It was hard because they had their music. They had all this other stuff. But I kept going as a little 13, 14, 15-year-old because I knew what had gotten a hold of me that day in Rochester when I got the Holy Ghost. I knew that when I was gone into the waters of baptism something had changed Jesus love had come into my life something that I did not have before had affected me see a lot of you might read your bible during the week once or twice by the looks of it you probably read it every day which is good but I had I had about seven to ten bibles now you might say, well, wow, that's a little excessive. But here's why. 
because my mom would take all my Bibles away. And then on Sunday, she'd say, you have two hours to read your Bible. And then I want you to take all of your Bible, put them in a stack, and put them in my room where I can see them. You will not get your Bible until next Sunday. And I don't want to catch you reading it. So I went to my school, and I was sad. And my, my friends, once I told them what happened, a youth group from another church doesn't even go to my church. They said, we'll buy you a Bible. And I was like, really? So they bought a Bible. They taped it up so that it looked like a comic book. They looked like something else. It wasn't even King James Version. I didn't understand. I mean, it was hard to read, tell you what. But I was like, I don't care. Whatever version you get me, I don't care. I said, I'll learn to read Chinese if I have to. <laughs> and that Bible was to keep in my locker because so my mom wouldn't take it away. And at home, on my backpack, see, I had, you guys have backpacks still? Okay. So I had one of them cool ones in 10th grade. Uh, it had like a secret compartment in the back. You know, like you have like all your books and then all the way in the back, if you really reach, you have like one that's hidden. Praise God for that. Because I took me one of, one of those little New Testaments. as a little red New Testament with the Psalms. And I put it in there. So that my mom couldn't find it. And I had two hiding places in my closet. One on top in the dark. And one behind my drawer. Um, where she couldn't reach it. She couldn't see it because it was so dark and we had no light in the closet. That's where I hid my Bibles. None of them were the ones that I read because at that point I didn't really read in English. I only read in Spanish. One of them was an English one. That's, you learn. Whatever it is. And if you want it bad, you'll do it. And I remember getting on the bus in the mornings. It was still dark. I would bring me a flashlight. At that point, kids, we didn't have phones back then. Just dated myself really bad. Okay, uh, that, you know, the flip things was just coming out. But we, were, we weren't about to get us one of those. And uh, I'd bring a light, and I would open up my little New Testament, read the flashlight for 30 minutes. So I got to school, because that was the only time that I could read. My mom was not there. On my breaks at school, I would bring out my Bible that was all taped up, and I would read it. And kids would say to me, what are you doing? Why? You're supposed to be doing your homework. You're supposed to be interacting with other people. And I was like, you don't understand. You can go home and read your Bible, but I can't. I had a class that was like two hours long, and they, the teacher was like, whatever, you can do whatever you want. You can leave school if you want. Do your homework, work on projects. It's one of those weird hybrid things. And thank God for hybrids. Every time I had that class, I looked forward to it because I could go to my church. That was a few blocks away and pray. Because you can come to church every Sunday. I could not. For a while there, my parents said, you're not going to go to church anymore. I'm taking you out. My mom said to me these words. She said, Choose any other church, I'll bring you to it, but not that one. She said, choose any other church, I myself will drop you off. I myself will go in with you and sit through a service or two 
can bring you every time there's church, but not that one. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, there is no other place I want to go. And she said to me, well, then I guess you're not going. On Sundays, I would be put in my room and they would sit close to the door so that they could see if I left. Not allowed to leave. Cops once were called on me because I wanted to go. The cops came and they said, you have to listen to your mom. And they kept me in the house by threatening me with the cops. You don't understand where I've been. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. And if this had to happen all over again, I would do it like that. Because this has taught me to love Jesus more than anything else. At first, my decision was hard to make, family or church. I wanted to please and keep my family happy. But I also love Jesus. It should have been easy for us to make a decision. For me to make a decision, right? It's Jesus. If I had just asked you that before I told you all of that, you would say, Jesus. What if your family had a problem with it? What if you didn't have your parents on your side? What if you didn't have your kids with you? What if you had everybody criticizing you and telling you that you should die because you believe in this God? I don't think we realize. Sometimes we think, take things for granted. But all that trouble made it worth it. I, I can really say that if, if it had to happen again, I'm like, it's okay. Been through it. That's right. And she said to, you know, the other thing I do is I take my Bible and bio, biology book. Hated it. Um, but it was the biggest, thickest book that you could get, right? And I hid my Bible as one I was done with my homework so that I could read it in my home. I would put it in front of it, point towards the wall so my mom couldn't see it, and kind of put it up and pretend to be doing homework. That was the way that I could read my, my Bible. And my mom finally said, I've had enough. And I looked at her, I was like, what do you mean? Said, I've tried to take every Bible away from you. But you seem to just keep finding more. She said, so I give up. Have all your Bibles. And I tell you what. I hugged every single one of those. But I still have every single one of those. I collect Bibles. If you need a Bible, you just tell me. I will ship it to you. Amen. Those Bibles have a story. In the end, I made my decision and sided with Jesus. Things just got harder and seemed to escalate. My family just decided, you know what? They, they actually decided, you know what? We're just going to leave you in Minnesota. Forget you. We're just going to move. And I was like, oh, right. I get to go to church whenever I want. See, and then their plans changed. But they had already said, you're old enough to make your decision. I wasn't 18. And I remember they say, well, we're actually not leaving. We're staying here. And I said, that's cool. But you still said I was old enough to make my decision. So I'm going to church on Sunday. They didn't like that, but they couldn't go back on it. So, but through that, I was able to love like Jesus. 
unconditionally, undeserved, and in a never-ending way. To this day, I pray for my family. I, uh, they know who to come to if they need help. If they need prayer, they come to me. If they need guidance, they come to me. That brother that they didn't want, that, that kid, you know, that they were ashamed of. My mom was said, you know what, I'll go to church with you once, but don't you tell anybody that I'm your mom. You know what that does to a son? You're trying your best to live for Jesus. And your mom says, just don't tell him we're related. But I am glad to tell you, tonight, I'm having a Bible study over the phone with my mom. She said to me the other day, next time I go up to Minnesota, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. She said to me, next time I go up to your church, I want to speak in tongues like you do. I want the Holy Ghost just like you have it. I want the joy in my life. If you hold on, that love is going to help somebody one day. You're going to have to go through a lot of bad stuff just like me and maybe even worse. But if you just hold on, that love is going to make a U-turn and help somebody on the way. I hope you're hearing me. God's love teaches us to love him and others regardless of what they do to us. He was crucified. He was beaten. People killed him and they spit upon him and they slapped him and they hurt him. They did that to him, but he was going to the cross for them, for you, for me. There's nothing that we can do that will make Jesus love us less. But there also must be nothing that we will not do to love him more. There's nothing that can stand in our way. You know that verse that says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ? <laughs> nothing. You got to take that. Nothing can separate you. <laughs> Through God's spirit, we can truly understand love. A real God type of love that's unconditional. Doesn't matter what you've done. If you're in this house and you've done things that you're not proud of, <laughs> God doesn't care. He loves you in a way that you cannot understand. He doesn't care what you've done. You think I haven't done bad things? You think I haven't messed it up? Things that a 12-year-old should do. But God took me from there and put me here. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. See, his love is undeserved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor. It doesn't matter anything. God will take you. He took me. This love is unending. You don't know how many times I've come so close to quitting. But his love comes one more time. And he says, just keep going. Just keep loving. I'm with you. I'll walk with you. <laughs> Through his spirit, 
we can both learn to show others what true love is. I wonder if we could just lift up our hands and just worship him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Let's all stand. We're going to make this whole place an altar right now. I want you to think if there's anything that stands in your way of loving Jesus above everything. I want you to just put that on the altar right now. I want you to tell him, God, nothing can stand in my way. I want you to be my love. I want you to be in me. I want you to help me. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, God can give it to you right now. If you have any doubt, if God will take you, God will take you. I wonder if you could just, as we play this song, just lift up your hands, close your eyes, forget about everybody. Forget about everybody in this place and just raise your hands. Cry out to God. I need you, Jesus. In places I'm not proud of. I've done things I should have done, God, but I need you today. I'm a sinner, God, but I need a Savior. Would you just come by, sweet Jesus, and help me? I got some problems, God, that I can't fix, Jesus. But if you can do something about it, God, I'll serve you. Tell him that. Tell him how much you love him. God's going to show up in your situation right now. He did it for me. He can do it for you. you, Jesus. He can break those chains. He can break that addiction. He can break that heart. He can heal that heart. Come on, let's raise our hands. Let's raise our voices. Tell him I need you, Jesus. Come and touch my heart, Lord. Don't let me go back the same. This could be the last service that you have. But you don't have to go without anything. You don't have to go empty-handed. God is able to come and help us. The Lord has promised good Help us. Got anybody else to turn to Jesus? Nothing we're doing is working, God. But would you help me? My body's sick, Lord. I need you. I got no hope. Nobody loves me, God. But would you help me? Yeah.
I'm sick of being stuck. Why don't you make your way to this altar? And why don't we as a church gather and begin to lift up his name? God, I pray that you would move right now. God, that you would continue to touch God. If you need prayer right now, now is the time. Don't delay. Don't wait. Just come up here and let's pray together. God, I worship. The sun forbid to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. Will be forever. Like your pastor said, if you need something, I know there's people that need something. Make your way up to this altar. God, 